Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Books with Brett podcast. Today, I'll be talking about a biography about the historical figure Leonardo da Vinci, written by Walter Isaacson. When we are kids, we are easily captivated by everything around us, even the smallest things like leaves on a plant, the vast ocean, and the stars far away in the night sky are the most fascinating things to us. We wonder why the sky is blue, where babies come from, and why we die. Usually, an adult gives us an answer to these questions, but the answer is rarely satisfying, and we immediately ask another related question followed by another, and another, and another. As children, our innate curiosity is what makes the world such a fascinating place. We see the wonder that lies behind everything, large and small, and feel the strong desire to explore the world around us and connect to it in a meaningful way. However, as we grow older, we tend to adapt to the world and its contents. The more we see plants, the more we take the little leaves for granted. We are no longer baffled by the size of the ocean, and the stars in the sky just become those small distant lights that shine at night. This is tragic, given that the human mind is most capable of greatness and growth when it is fueled by curiosity. When we recognize the mysteries of the universe, we see the treasure that lies in discovering it all, inch by inch, and how the world around us grows in its beauty the more we discover it. Over time, we might also see that there is a great mystery deep within us all, who we are, what we love, and what we are capable of growing to be. And if we're really lucky, we realize that the mysteries of the universe are connected to the mysteries inside us. This is what makes for a truly exciting and fulfilling life. This is why one of the greatest tragedies of life is to lose one's curiosity. This article is about one man who never lost his childlike sense of curiosity and lived one of the most curious lives in the history of humanity. Throughout his life, he constantly explored the world around him and found the mysteries of the world and humanity to be the source of his joy and passion. This man was Leonardo da Vinci. After recently reading Leonardo's biography written by Walter Isaacson, I've come to really enjoy the work that Leonardo produced as well as admire the power of his curiosity. Leonardo was born outside of wedlock just outside of the city of Vinci. The fact that he was born through illegitimate means would eventually serve as an advantage for him given that if he had been born legitimately, he most certainly would have taken up the trade of a notary like his father. But due to the nature of his birth, Leonardo would not be educated traditionally, which would allow him to explore the world on his own with his curiosity leading the way. There is an important event that happened early in his life. One day when he was hiking in Tuscany, he stumbled upon a mysterious cave. He felt both fear and desire to explore the cave and made the decision to look inside. What he discovered in the cave walls were the fossils of a long dead whale. This discovery fascinated him, and it seems that it was one of the events that foreshadowed his admiration for the unknown and his obsession to explore the world around him. At the age of 14, Leonardo moved to Florence to become an apprentice to a famous painter named Andre del Verrocchio. Obviously, Leonardo loved to paint, and in Verrocchio's workshop, he was able to practice his craft as a painter, sharpening his skills in the process. A technique that he developed in Verrocchio's workshop is called sfumato. Many painters in his era would paint the outlines of the objects and people in their paintings with sharp lines to separate them from other objects in the painting. But Leonardo thought that sfumato, which is a technique that uses tones and colors to shade gradually with each other, and in the process creates softened outlines and hazy forms. 
This made Leonardo's paintings look more realistic because they lacked the sharp lines and distinctions that other artists use in outlining their people and objects. Together, Leonardo and Verrocchio would collaborate to produce many beautiful paintings, including Tobias and the Angel and Baptism of Christ. Leonardo would also go on to paint his own paintings, including The Annunciation and Ginerva de Benci, which foreshadows the Mona Lisa. Google these images and see if you can notice the sfumato technique. One of Leonardo's supposed flaws was that he often failed to finish his projects. Some of his unfinished works include The Adoration of the Magi and St. Jerome in the Wilderness. Even though they are unfinished, they are still impressive works. One of the reasons that Leonardo would leave so many of his projects unfinished is because Leonardo seems to have been a perfectionist. Voltaire's phrase, perfect is the enemy of the good, applies to Leonardo's work. While one of his projects might be good, Leonardo always saw ways and areas where they could improve. He wanted to perfect everything he worked on. This resulted in many unfinished pieces because Leonardo always thought there was something that could be improved and some area that needed further work. To Leonardo, if it wasn't perfect, it hadn't met its true potential. Leonardo wanted to make his paintings as realistic as possible, and he would often go to extreme lengths to do this. He would go so far as to sit down and observe in detail people as they talked and interacted with one another. He would take notes on their gestures, body language, and facial expressions. His focus and dedication to his craft is what made Leonardo arguably the greatest painter in history. But while we often think of Leonardo as a painter, the truth is he was so much more than one of the greatest painters ever. He was a true polymath, otherwise known as a Renaissance man, or someone who masters multiple areas of expertise. This is another reason why Leonardo left lots of his projects unfinished. His curiosity was nothing like the curiosity of the typical person. It was literally obsessive. This is not an overstatement. On top of being a painter, Leonardo was fascinated with anatomy, geometry, mechanics, artistic drama, and the nature of water. Throughout his life, he filled multiple notebooks with sketches and notes about everything you could imagine. These notebooks show Leonardo's complex nature and his ability to see connections between everything. To Leonardo, art and science weren't two separate things, but areas that complemented each other. Leonardo specialized in finding the connections between things we tend to think of separately. The vastness of Leonardo's curiosity and his obsession with exploring the unknown was demonstrated in his anatomical studies. Leonardo went so far as to dissect human corpses to gain a thorough understanding of the human body, its organs, and how they worked. In particular, he would combine science with art, by dissecting human faces to study the nerves and areas of the human brain that were used in various emotional expressions, and then apply that knowledge of the human body and face to his paintings. I think it's remarkable how Leonardo was capable of withstanding the smells of the decaying bodies and overcoming the, the disgust that arises from dissecting a corpse for the sake of satisfying his own curiosity. This further displays Leonardo's obsession. But this obsession paid off as Leonardo was able to make some discoveries in anatomy that would not yet be realized for hundreds of years. It also helped him to use his expertise in anatomy to bring the faces of the people in his paintings to life. His notebooks contain hundreds of drawings detailing the human body. One of his most remarkable drawings was one he made of a human fetus. 
Granted, Leonardo never dissected a human fetus, but he did dissect the fetus of a cow and carried over what he found there to the human fetus. He also dissected the faces of horses, which came in handy for making very realistic sketches of horses in his notebooks. Leonardo was interested by other things in nature. Water and how it flows was one of the areas that Leonardo spent some time speculating over, and some of his ideas about how to guide water from one place to another led him to fantasize about inventions similar to the modern drains that we have today. He also spent a lot of his time observing birds and flying insects with a laser-sharp focus. His observations of birds and insects influenced him to imagine different machinery that could potentially allow humans to fly. These other interests that Leonardo had, once again, display how far ahead he was for his time and his thinking. Things that we have today, like scuba gear, helicopters, and suction pumps that drain swamps, were built on concepts Leonardo was already envisioning centuries before they were invented. He also spent time sketching ideas for weapons of war. His ideas include devices for castle walls that would knock down the ladders enemy forces might use when trying to invade the city, as well as chariots with rotating scythes that would slice enemy soldiers near the chariot. While Leonardo spent time earlier in his life sketching such devices, seeing the dark side of war and battle later in his life while serving under Caesar Bourget made him lose his enthusiasm for such inventions, and he focused his attention more on art and science. While there are many different things that Leonardo did that warrant admiration and emulation, I personally enjoy his artistic accomplishments the most. One of my favorite sketches from Leonardo is Vitruvian Man, which was a very detailed sketch of a man standing in a square with a circle encompassing the square. The detail of the sketch is well proportioned, and Leonardo used skillful measurements to sketch the man. The geometrical and anatomical accuracy is very scientific in its approach. The person in the sketch is most likely Leonardo himself. The power of Vitruvian Man isn't just the fact that it's well-drawn and well-measured. The concept of Vitruvian Man dates back to ancient times to a man named Marcus Vitruvius Polio, who was concerned with the ways that humanity fit within the universe. The single individual was their own world, but they also had their place in the larger world. This idea was known as the microcosm and the macrocosm the microcosm being humans, and the macrocosm being the world-slash-universe. Leonardo was interested in the idea of the microcosm and the macrocosm nearly his whole life. You can find this concept in his art. In Vitruvian Man, Leonardo sketches a symmetrical and carefully measured drawing of himself and how he fits into the larger world. In this sense, the sketch can be seen as a very existential work of art, with Leonardo in the center of the square and circle, wondering what his relation to the universe is and where he belongs within that large universe. His finest paintings are The Last Supper and The Mona Lisa. In The Last Supper, Leonardo painted the scene in the Bible where Jesus informs his disciples that one of them will betray him. Leonardo had spent so much of his time carefully observing people in public with their movements, gestures, and expressions, and he brings this knowledge and insight to life in this painting. The characters in the portrait are not stiff, but instead seem like they are moving and feeling something in that moment. It seems like an event is happening before us when we look at the painting. In what is considered the greatest painting ever, the Mona Lisa, Leonardo, with all his years of study and painting experience, creates a portrait that is very complex. One of the things the painting is best known for is Mona Lisa's smile. Leonardo used his knowledge of light, 
the visual system, and the human face to create a specific kind of smile on Mona Lisa's face. This smile was painted by a master painter who had spent hours cutting open human faces and studying the nerves behind our facial expressions, including the lips and smile. This is part of where the smile gets its magic from. The author of the biography, Walter Isaacson, explains the way that Leonardo used his knowledge of the visual system and light as well. I quote, From his optics studies, Leonardo realized that light rays do not come to a single point in the eye, but instead hit the whole area of the retina. The central area of the retina, known as the fovea, is best at seeing color in small details. The area surrounding the fovea is best at picking up shadows and shadings of black and white. When we look at an object straight on, it appears sharper. When we look at it peripherally, glimpsing it out of the corner of our eye, it is a bit blurred, as if it were farther away. Essentially, Leonardo used this knowledge of light and the eye with his combination of shading to paint a smile that is very shy and escaping. When we look at Mona's cheeks or her nose, in our peripheral vision, the smile is more pronounced and larger. But when we look at the lips directly, the smile becomes less pronounced and harder to see. In this case, the Mona Lisa smile escapes us and seems different whenever we look at a different part of the painting or see the smile from a different angle. Additionally, the Mona Lisa also displays the connection between the microcosm and the macrocosm. In the background of the Mona Lisa, we see mountains, nature, and a river representing the macrocosm, or the world and universe, and Mona Lisa herself representing the microcosm, or humanity. If we look closely, the river in the background seems to flow into Mona Lisa, specifically into the scarf on her left shoulder. The scarf is similar to the sketches that Leonardo used to make water in his notebooks. This connection of the river flowing into Mona Lisa is a representation of the connection between the microcosm and the macrocosm. Leonardo's interest in the microcosm and the macrocosm was an example of how Leonardo didn't just study the nature that he found around him, but also how it related to him and within him, and what his place was in the world. Reading this biography of Leonardo was a rewarding experience. Like many other biographies, this book left me feeling that I had spent some time with Leonardo, glancing into his passions, the people he met, and the journey of his life. It made me sad to get to the end of the book because it felt like I was saying goodbye. But now I know that there is someone I can always go back to and admire as a model for how to make the most of the world around me. Leonardo was one of the great human beings who ever existed. His curiosity was limitless, and he serves as an example for how we should all engage with the world and make the most of our time on Earth. Over the years, I have taken too many things on this planet for granted. I walk past beautiful plants, complex insects, and fascinating things in nature without taking the proper time to admire how truly amazing it all really is. Now that I've met Leonardo, I won't take these things for granted anymore. I would definitely recommend this biography to anyone interested to learn more about him. That's it for today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.